These are momentous times that we're living in. And a lot of seasonal change, if you like. See, there are seasons in God's kingdom. And we need to know when to move into that new season that God has. Now, I know a lot of people have got a new season every week. Amen. But um, we do believe that God is continually taking us forward. And we don't camp in the one place too long or else we become stale. You know, yesterday's manna will not sustain you today. And mantles from decades ago will not equip you and clothe you and empower, empower you. You have to move into what God is doing today. Amen. And we, we honor the past and we honor ministries of the past. We honor things that God has done. But we have to keep moving forward. Forward still is Jehovah's will, that wonderful old time. Anyway, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. I'm so glad that Sister Pearl mentioned in her prayer, city and country. Because cities and nations have been on my mind a lot lately and really shown up in, in the messages that I've been bringing. We've actually started uh, in our Lord's Day uh, message last week. Um the power of honor to take cities and nations. And uh, we recorded it, but it didn't work. So I had to, actually, during the week there, or, or just the other day, I, I recorded it again because people were asking about it. And it, it actually fits in with what we're looking at here in the gathering, in particular today, because I want to talk about cities and nations and their importance in the, uh, the plan of God, the purpose of God. So let's read 61, Isaiah 61. We'll read from verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. You need to know that God's Spirit is upon you and it's upon you. He's upon you for a purpose. And that purpose is anointing. Anointing means to smear. You know, um, in the old days when I used to have brow cream, I no longer have a use for brow cream. But when I had brow cream and I put it in my hair, if you sat there, remember the old, uh, I remember my, my nana used to have the, the chairs in the living room next to the fire, and she always had a, a thing in the back of the chair because men would wear hair cream. And they would stain the chair if you put your head back. Because when you wore brow cream and you did that, you would smear that's right, yeah, that's right. You would smear the chair. Or if anybody brushed against you, or you brushed against the enemy of your head, you would smear it with brow cream. Well, the word anointing, that's what it means, is to smear. You know, we, when we anoint somebody, we get a wee dab of oil, a wee vial of oil, and we dab them in the forehead. But that's not how they used to anoint. The old anointing was glug, glug, glug. And, it, and, and when they did it to the high priest, it would come down, um, it would come down his head and onto his garments, and it would end up on the floor so that everywhere he walked, or if you brushed against him, there was oil. So if you wanted to be smeared with anointing oil, all you had to do was brush up against the high priest or walk in his footsteps. Brothers and sisters, 
when you and I receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're meant to take that smear of oil everywhere and touch everything and everyone with it. So when people contact you or brush up against you, you know, when you go to Asda, then people ought to say, there's something different about that person. Just be coming into your presence. You know, if you wear a strong aftershave or a strong perfume and you walk by and people say, what's that smell? Like? Oh, oh, they might like it. Amen? But when people come up against you and I, they ought to have that thing of there's something about them. The air of, I remember, I remember this very, very clearly in my early days in the apostolic church. I remember there used to be a fragrance in the meetings. Anybody remember that? You go to meetings and there was a fragrance in the meetings. And it was the Lord. And so when you and I are anointed, and we're all anointed here, okay, and you can do a lot to increase the anointing on your life, your individual personal anointing and your ministry anointing. But that's another message. We're not going to get into that just now. But you are anointed. And it says here what you're anointed for. Now, I know I, I put this, I think, on Facebook a while, a few weeks ago, and some guy said to me, you know, some religious person who was very quickly unfriended. Okay? Now, I don't mind people want to debate things and stuff. This applies to Jesus. I thought, well, if it applies to Jesus, then it applies to me. Because the same anointing that he received dwells in you and I and comes upon you and I. And if it doesn't, then you need to get born again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. We know Jesus quoted this in the synagogue. We know that. Because the Lord has anointed me to do what? To preach good tidings to the poor. To preach the gospel to the poor. Did you know that the gospel primarily is for poor folks? If your gospel, your message, the thing that you preach is not good news to a poor man, let me tell you, it ain't the gospel. Amen? If your gospel leaves poor folks poor, it ain't the gospel. Because the only good news to a poor person is you're coming out of poverty. Nobody is blessed by being told you're going to stay poor, but Jesus loves you. Folks, the gospel is a poverty-smashing, destroying message. That's why it's good news to poor folks. And if you, if you disagree with that, we can get that poverty and religious devil cast out you. You know that poverty devils and religious devils are friends. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted today? Anyone ever had a broken heart? And it's not talking here about, oh, so-and-so broke my heart in high school. Amen? Brokenhearted means that the cares of this life have become too much for your heart to bear. We've all been there, folks. But you know, the anointing, of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, His presence and His anointing, which is His empowering, is there to heal every hurt you have. You know, you don't need to go to a psychiatrist. You don't need to go to a, a what's the other one that they do? Psychologist or a psychotherapist or whatever. Okay? Let me tell you how to cure and heal your broken heart. 
Read Psalm 23 over and over. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Think of all the benefits of that psalm. You, let me just say this to you. Psychology, psychiatry, all these things are counterfeits for the one thing that will heal your broken heart, which is God's word and God's spirit. The anointing to proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you captive? To, listen, I'm not going to end up preaching a gospel sermon. I'm just saying what this is about. And the opening of the prison to those that are bound. I want to get into this part of it, okay? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which some translations have bring out the, the deeper Hebrew meaning, which is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? We're in the year of the Lord's favor. Well, I thought we were in that last year. Yeah, we were. And we're going to be in it next year too. Because this dispensation, when Jesus stood up in the synagogue and says, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, what he was saying was, you're in the, you're in the year of the Lord's favor every year. Anno Domini means the year of the Lord's favor. I know it doesn't mean it. it means the year of the Lord. What I'm saying to you is that the Christian era, the era of the church, the era that we live in, A.D., and especially as we get nearer the end times, we are in the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? You might say, well, I don't know if it's the year of the Lord's favor. I'm telling you, I know that we're in the year of the Lord's favor because I'm in it. And you, we all ought to say, this is the year of the Lord's favor in my life. You ought to live in the favor of God. There's no other place to live, by the way. If you don't want to live in God's favor, then let me ask you, what do you want to live in? This is the acceptable year. This is the day of salvation. This is the time, the appointed time. Amen? And the day of vengeance of our God. Oh, I don't want to live in the, the Lord's vengeance. Don't worry about that. The vengeance is for those who oppose you. Amen? The vengeance... The vengeance is for those who contradict your favor. Because every time that God does something for you, or every promise that God made, the devil has a contradiction. Has God said that? Oh, oh let me tell Folks, the vengeance of the Lord is upon those who oppose his people. And you're his people, so expect to see God's vengeance upon your enemies. We've seen it many a time. And at times, it, 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 we just sang there about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord comes upon you when you see his vengeance upon those who oppose you. Because let me tell you, he goes further than we would. Amen. Anyway, that's a whole. But look at this. And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Are you mourning this morning? Are you in mourning? See, mourning doesn't mean, oh, somebody's died. But it can mean that some people mourn the, a loved one for decades. Remember, Queen Victoria was, was always dressed in black. Folks, the spirit of grief needs to be broken off some people. But mourning, you can mourn a whole bunch of stuff, not just dead loved ones. You can mourn because things didn't pan out the way you wanted them to. Amen? You might get disappointing news and you mourn. Oh, Lord. Well, there's comfort. Then he says it again, to console those who mourn in Zion. Oh, I want to talk about Zion. Zion is the place 
Zion is the people. Zion is the city. That's what we're going to see today. To give them beauty for ashes. Do you have ashes this morning? Well, God will exchange your ashes for beauty. The oil of joy for mourning. There's that mourning word again. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Are you feeling heavy this morning? Well, praise will lift the heaviness off you. Amen? Isn't it funny to get heaviness lifted off you? You have to put something on. A garment. Amen? The spiritual world works different from the physical world. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Now watch this. This is where I want to go with this. And they, who's they? You. They are those in Zion. Okay? They are believers. They are in this dispensation Christians, God's people, Zion people. They shall rebuild the old ruins. Are there ruins in your life? And let me just say this to you. A lot of people would say the church is in ruins. The church universal. Okay, or the church, or the church in Scotland is in decline. It's in ruins. And there's a truth to that because we've seen declension. We've seen decline. We've seen numbers dwindle. We've seen churches close, especially during and after COVID. We saw a whole bunch. You know, let me just say this to you. Okay, we can mourn that. But friends, we can also rejoice. Because let me just say this to you. There is no place in God's purpose and plan and his economy for old wineskins. Okay? Old wineskins are useless. And you know, to keep using them. Uh, we, we did it here. And I just spoke the other day to a, 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 a friend who did it in their church. We had an old boiler. Okay? And as I can make it so a few jokes about that, you can see we've had a few old boilers in here. But anyway, we, we had an old boiler down in the, the bottom of the church. And uh, this thing, I, I think it came out, the, there's two of them, wasn't there? I think it came out of the Titanic. Massive, okay? Big, big boilers. And they would, they would work. They, they, would, they would give you heating. But switching them on and off, and, oh, and, they, and you had to go down there to do it. Okay, so you haven't even get in and oh old boilers are not as good as new boilers. Old wineskins, they may still hold a measure of wine, but they're not like new wineskins. And old wineskins eventually split and crack, and old boilers blow up, clunk to death, whatever. Like we were saying, the new seasons of God are what we need to be moving in. New wineskins hold the new wine far better than old wineskins. Okay? And that's really what he's saying. Rebuilding the old ruins. It's not saying do away with church and start again. He's talking about rebuilding the old ruins. Okay? Or you could say another way, put in new boilers, take out the old and put in the new. Or we could say it this way, get rid of the old wineskins and have new wineskins. The ones that can't be repaired, throw them out. But we need renewal. Remember the, 
Remember, renewal was a big theme. Okay, we need to rebuild the old ruins. And there's a measure of that, I believe, applies to the house of God, the church. But it also applies to Glasgow. If you look at this area here, and you look up that street, you see all these modern houses and flats. But some of you remember the old tenements. Amen? The old ruins in many parts of Glasgow, where I came from in Edinburgh, you always say it made Grandgad look like Bear's Den. A rough, rough place. But if, if I go there now, the old uh, places that I remember, the old buildings, they're gone because it's like this, new, new, new houses. Regeneration is what they call it. You know, city planners and councillors and so on. Regeneration. And of course, that's what born again means, to be regenerated. But when it comes to cities and nations, the old ruins need to be rebuilt. The desolations of many generations. Who was sharing this recently? Somebody, was it David Richardson? I don't remember. Somebody here spoke about this recently. Maybe it was something I saw on YouTube. I don't know. Desolations of many generations. And, you know, we can look back and we can say, oh, remember. And somebody said the other day, the days of the tent hall. Oh, the glories. And I remember meetings and buildings and churches and so on. Oh, the glory days of old. And it's good to remember them. But, friends, they became desolate and had to be shut down. Churches have had to be closed because desolation came in place of blessing. You understand that? And we don't like it. Our human uh, nature, if you like, recoil. Oh, no, oh, oh, if we could only go back. You know, I used to be very nostalgic and still it comes upon me a nostalgia for, for times of old and days of old and meetings of old and so on. But folks, the reason they're not there anymore is because they became desolate. Because the life that was there, people allowed it to dwindle away. And so it needs to be re rebuilt. They shall repair the ruined cities. You see, God has called us. This is what I want to get into. God has called you and I to heal cities and nations. Amen? If we don't take the responsibility of that upon us, let me ask you, who is going to do that? Amen? As, as a leader, and, and I teach this at, at Bible College, and you have to say this, leadership is very, very simple. Okay? Leadership is very, very simple in any realm, but especially in the realm of God's ecclesia or the church. Leadership begins when you take responsibility. Show me a leader, and I'll show you someone who takes responsibility. Simple. Well, does that mean that I go up and shove the pastor out the pulpit and take over? No, it doesn't mean that, unless you're a Jezebel. No, what it means is you take responsibility where you are, and God will promote you as you continue to take more. And where do you take responsibility? It's very simple. What's the one thing everybody in this room can do today? 
to change Glasgow, to change Cumbernauld, to change Paisley, wherever you come from, you can begin to pray. Prayer is where we take responsibility. You know, we come here and, and most meetings, Sister Pearl begins to pray for Tharsa Street, okay? Which is the street this church is on. The ships of Tharsus will come first. We're in the Bible. Anyway, what does that mean? She's taking responsibility for Tharsus Street, for this area. You can take responsibility for where you live. Let me just say to you, you're the pastor where you live. You're the because pastor means shepherd. And shepherds have responsibility for the sheep. You know, you can walk in. Uh, when I used to go down uh, to Carlisle um, and get the train down, and it goes through all these hills uh, all the way down to Carlisle, and all you see is sheep. Okay? Now, I could get out the train, walk in amongst the sheep and go, how are you doing? Okay? But I'm not responsible for those sheep. But there's someone who is. He's the shepherd of those sheep. He's responsible to make sure that they're safe, they're warm, they're fed, all of that. Okay? And what I'm saying to you is, in the street where you live, if you take responsibility before God, or if God puts in your or your workplace, or somewhere, or some group of people, if you say, I'm taking leadership responsibility. Okay? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. The problem is there aren't enough laborers. There aren't enough people saying, see that group of sheep over there? They're my responsibility. Right, Lord, let's get do some business for those sheep. But we, we just want to come to church or meetings uh, and just have uh, be spectators. I'm not saying here, I'm talking about some people. That's all they want. That's all my responsibility, to go to church, put my money in the bucket, Chuck it in the bucket, go home. That's not leadership, folks. And I want to tell you this. Every single believer is meant to be a leader. Why? Because Jesus says, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, go and disciple nations. Who did he say that to? Every single person who's ever been born again, including all of us here. So leadership is not something you can avoid, you, you, or, or escape, should I say. You can avoid it, but you can't escape it. Okay? So, he says here, they, who's they? We are meant to rebuild the old ruins, raise up the former desolations, repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Oh, the church is in a terrible state. Lord, come back soon. My bags are packed. I'm rapture ready. No, Lord, where do I begin? Where do I begin, Father, to rebuild the old ruins, to raise up the former desolations, to repair ruined cities and the desolations of many generations? Okay? He's telling you to take responsibility for where you live. Or... I would say, that I believe the Spirit of the Lord saying this to us. See, when I talk about Glasgow, okay, um, you know, let Glasgow flourish. 
My thinking isn't just the, the city boundaries of Glasgow, because they're in dispute anyway, aren't they? You know, whatever, if you live at the outskirts, there are some people in Rutherglen, we don't live in Glasgow. We're Rutherglen people. We're the borough people. Am I right? But I'm talking about greater Glasgow. I'm talking about greater Glasgow, which includes where everybody here lives. Amen? So we're all responsible in that respect for Glasgow. I you know we used to have people come from Edinburgh to, to this meeting. Didn't remember that? Uh, and, of course, we have uh, folks for the Kingdom of Faith. They just come and see how electricity works. <laughs> Amen? As I always say, Elvis is still number one in faith. Anyway, Isaiah 58 and verse 12 says this. Those from among you, there it is. Who's those? Us from among you shall build the old waste places. You know, we are in the Bible again. Here in Garngad. Because Garngad means waste place. That's what it means. It means rough ground, waste place, you know, an old but a waste ground. That's what Garngad means. And the, the Gaelic apparently. So what it says here is, we'll build the old waste places. Now I know you could say, well, the council's done that. They've got all these nice houses. Things have changed. The tenements, most of them, all of them maybe, are all knocked down. The old tenements, the old Garngad. Remember, Garngad was a byword for rough area in Glasgow. People used to say, oh, listen to him, he's talking posh. I bet you he's from the Garngad. I remember that, remember? And you know, I, I didn't even know where Garngad was many years, but I used to use that phrase, ah, listen to him, bet you he's from the, the Garngad. I didn't even know where Garngad was. I sure do now. But you know, it's not just talking about knocking down buildings and building nice, fancy new ones. That's not... There's an element, you understand, there's a level of that. You can say, well, look at the regeneration over there. The Gorbals, Gorbals a great example. They, oh, remember the old Gorbals, oh, your throat cut walking through, all that stuff. Now, I remember the, the Gorbals many years ago. It wasn't really like that anyway. It's quite a good place. But anyway, look at the Gorbals now. Yuppie flats, remember that phrase, the yuppie? I mean, it's posh. Parts of it are posh. But he's not talking here just about physically replacing old, ruined, dilapidated tenements and old parts, ruinous parts of the city and making them nice and building new houses. He's not just talking about that. He's talking spiritually, folks. Okay, because Glasgow may be different. But, but I want to say this. You could argue that in some parts of Glasgow, when they had the old rough tenements and so on, they would have a gospel hall, at least one in every street. So the spiritual climate wasn't, it was far more, far better. Whereas today they may have fancy houses, but they don't have the mission halls, gospel halls, church buildings, or the amount of folks that were saved in those places. So I'm talking here spiritually when it says they'll build the old waste places. We've seen pictures, we've got them up there, of, and some of you remember, this church full at every meeting. You know, our Tuesday fellowship lunch we have, we think we're doing well, 
but we, we, we know that there's times where they'd have 70 plus people for a fellowship lunch on a Tuesday. I mean, if they had that this Tuesday, Agnes would panic. <laughs> and you think revival had broken out. We came in actually one, we used to have a Wednesday lunchtime meeting. And we came in one day and the place was loads of folk had come in. Remember that? Anyway, they will build the old waste place. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, again, we could apply this physically and say, oh, regeneration. But I believe he's talking about a city here. He has actually talked about the city of, of Jerusalem or Zion. But I believe spiritually the Lord is saying he wants his people who hear that cry and hear that call and hear this message to say, I'm going to be part of God's regeneration program for the city. Not just the city of Glasgow. I believe there's an application there. But, uh, but really, if I can be more accurate and say this, of the city of Zion in Glasgow. And the city of Zion is his church, his ecclesia, his people, the kingdom community in Glasgow. We've seen streets become dilapidated. We've seen places become ruins, not just churches and fellowship, but we've seen the state of the church, if you want to call it that, come down very low, haven't we? And it, it was brought to a head during COVID when we meekly bowed down to governments and let them shut us down. Oh, yes, oh, yes, we must obey the government. We must obey God rather than men, was Peter's message, okay? Oh, but it was a safe thing to do. Well, let me just tell you, if there's somewhere safer than church, we have a problem in church. If there's a place where you can be healthy and whole and healed, there isn't church. Let me tell you something right now. There's a problem in church. There's a problem in Zion. Because we've allowed governments to beat us down, beat us down, beat us down. We've allowed the culture, the woke culture and everything else to beat us down and beat us down and beat us down. So that the city is in ruins. There are race places. And he says, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Think of those foundations, folks. Think of the old days. Think of the Reformation. Think of the back to Celtic saints. Think of the Reformation. Think of um, the Whitfield and Wesley revivals. Think of all the great moves of God in history. Think of all the great men of God. Think of the Covenanters. All those foundations. The the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. But we've allowed all that to go because we would rather go to churches where they have 45 minutes of performance, not worship, okay? A concert. And then a 10-minute TED talk, right? And how you can have a happier life. And then we all go home. That's not this church, but it is churches. And I'm not being, I'm not naming names and I'm not, I'm just trying to say we've allowed our faith to be watered down and diluted to the place 
where it's almost like we go for a wee pep talk, a wee, wee pick me up on a Sunday, rather than travailing for the souls of those around us who are dwelling in darkness. And this city is getting darker and darker as, as some churches have their wee whatever it is they do. And there's no travail. There's no crying out to God. Now, I, I don't want to be old wineskin about it, you understand? Because a lot of people, they've, they, they've been crying out to God for 40, 50, 60 years, but they, they, they haven't, there's no faith in it. There's, you know, it's like what Bert comes when he teaches, what I've been saying, we have to change our methods if we want to change the results that we've been getting. We're not connecting the way we should with the power. Be still, we sang, for the power of the Lord is in this place. We need churches where the presence, the glory, and the power of the Lord, we can say, is present in this place. And when we have that, folks, you don't have to advertise. You don't have to get special uh, worship bands because that presence attracts them. That glory, we saw it in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine your lights, come the glory. Oh, look, they're coming. The sons and the daughters, the nations and the kings, they're all coming. They come because they're magnetized. But they only come because the presence, the glory, the power, the authority, all of these things is actually evident and in the place, and that's what brings them. And you don't need to take out adverts on Facebook. All right. So, cities and nations. God wants cities and nations to turn to him. Cities doesn't mean big cities like Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, Dundee. Cities can mean where you live if you live in a, a town or a village, if that makes sense. Communities. God wants communities to see. It's not just and see. We've got this thing, and we, we've we've we need to discard it. And, and there's nothing wrong with it, but we need to we need to up our game and enlarge our vision because we think if we just get a few individuals saved, we can grow the church. Get a few folks saved this year. You know we've got. 25 people, but if we get another 10, say, think about that, 35 people in our church. Glory, glory, glory. And then some, some people get, I've done it, listen, I'm not knocking it. But I see people locked in that paradigm that going out in the streets and getting a few folk to make a decision for Jesus. Oh, that's it, amen. And some of these folks, you never see them again. But we think because somebody said he prayed the prayer of salvation. He prayed that he prayed the sinner's prayer. Oh my goodness, glory be to Jesus. Revival has broke out. I'm not knocking that. But the reason that that's become our paradigm is because we don't have a vision for cities and nations. Imagine having a vision for Glasgow to be a place where it flourishes because of the preaching of the word and the praising of the name and multitudes coming to Christ from the city of Glasgow. And Glasgow be known throughout the, 
you know, is it Glasgow? They actually call it Scotland, uh, but um, I know I've heard it referred to Glasgow, the sick man of Europe. It's the, Glasgow's the sick man of Europe, and Glasgow's the drug capital. All of these things are said about Glasgow, aren't they? And there are places I could take you to in Glasgow right now. They're famous because of all that stuff. But here's the thing. Why is it like that? Here's why. Because we say it is. That's why. Oh, it's a sick man of Europe. Any, any doctor will tell you. Any nurse that works in the Royal will tell you. You get into that Royal on a Friday night and you just see them all. Oh, it's a sick man of Europe. But folks, where's the vision to say Glasgow is a divine healing capital of the world? Why not have a different vision for Glasgow? Why not have a different vision for see, Scotland? Ah, Scotland. Once the people in a book, once the land in a book, but now, oh, it's a godless nation. See, that's observing things. But, you know, any doctor will tell you, not professionally. Well, I'm a doctor now. I'm a doctor now. You can call me doctor. Call me doc. Especially Agnes. Here's the thing. Any doctor will tell you, here's your problem. Here's your diagnosis. But a good doctor will say, here's what I'm going to do to fix the problem. Because you need medicine, you need surgery, you need some kind of treatment, physio, whatever. But we as Christians, very often all we do is stop at the problem and don't understand the divine solution. As God's told us, you can heal cities, you can build old waste places, you can raise up foundations, you can be called, you can be called the repairer of the breach. You can be the restorer of streets to dwell in. In fact, that's, what the, that's how the Bible identifies God's people. But we just say, ah, there's no hope for the folks. That, you know, the people of Glasgow, they're not interested in the gospel. Heard that? I have. But Jesus says, look, the fields are ripe. So somebody has a, a heart longing for something, but they don't know what it is. You know what it is. You know who it is. It's not a thing. It's a person. You have the answer. You have the solution to the problem of Glasgow, Edinburgh, Dundee, Perth, Stirling, the whole of Scotland, in fact, every single place on earth. And every single people on earth, his name is, of course, Jesus. Now watch this. Let, let me read a little bit of this uh, from the Passion Translation, what we just read in Isaiah 61. I like how it puts a paraphrase, so we'll, we'll just read it. The mighty spirit of Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted. Are there brokenhearted people in this city? To tell captives you are free. See, we talk, oh, the sick man of Europe, oh, the drug capital. Folks, we can tell the captives there's freedom, but it's not in methadone programs. It's not in all that, you know, counselling. It's in the name of Jesus. And to tell prisoners, be free from your darkness. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace, 
and a time of God's recompense on his enemies to comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed. Watch this. They will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. Foreigners will be appointed to shepherd your many flocks. Strangers will cultivate your fields and tend your vines. Well, we've seen that. We've seen that manifest. Foreigners will be appointed to pastor your many flocks. We've seen people from other nations come here, set up churches, get people saved, get people healed, get people delivered, get people set free, preach a gospel of prosperity that isn't a gospel of greed. We've seen, praise God, for those churches in our city. And we, we often get approached by different nationalities. Uh, some, of, some of them have been here. But, you know, there are many black churches in Glasgow alone. There are Chinese churches. There, there are uh, Romanian churches. Packed, preaching a gospel message. So Glasgow, praise God, this word is coming to pass. And it's a wonderful thing. But what I want to show you here is this. Cities can be taken for Jesus. Cities are the key to nations. And by cities, again, I'm not just talking about Glasgow, Edinburgh, big cities. Communities are the key to nations. But what, what we've got this thing, and we need to break it. We need to break it off us. We just get a few folks saved and we'll be doing well. Just get a few individuals to come to Jesus. We need to smash that and understand we're not called to a few individuals. We're called to cities. We're called to nations. We're called to communities. What I like about Glasgow, what I love about Glasgow, and I, I'm, I'm an Edinburgh boy. You can tell, you know, the, with the, the, the dignity and the bearing and so on. But what I like about Glasgow, Glasgow has a motto. It's based on God's word. A lot of cities were founded for commercial reasons or you know, military reasons. A lot of cities built next to rivers and so on uh, for all different purposes, defense, mainly commerce. But Glasgow, praise God, St. Mungo, he built the city for the glory of God or started the city, should I say, for the glory of God. And that motto, which is attributed to him, uh, let Glasgow flourish. See, other cities are flourishing or want to flourish or try to flourish. Every city <coughs> wants to flourish. But they flourish because, you know, Aberdeen, oil, yeah? Or different places for different reasons. Edinburgh, really, now, tourism. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Glasgow, let Glasgow flourish by the preaching of this word and by the praise of that name. That glorious name. See, Glasgow is designed by God to be a city where the glory of God fills a place. The holy city. Now, I know folks. Well, I know of folks. And I know the history of some of these people. Um, and, and, and it's mind-blowing. But anyway, but some people got captured by this vision of Glasgow as the holy city. They actually ended up taking it too far and believing that the Glasgow was 
you know, like the New Jerusalem, but, you know, it's a great vision to have for your city, to say, I want my city. Paisley, Renfrew, Cumbernauld, wherever. I want my community, my city, to be a holy city, a city where God's name is magnified, where the gospel engulfs every house, where we are known throughout the earth that Bill Johnson were reading. You know, um, Kenneth Copeland, they have a place out in, in, in Fort Worth, and it's Eagle Mountain or something, that's a community. And they all go about saying, this is the revival capital of the world. Now, when you first say stuff like that, people go, what? Imagine you saying, Cumbernauld, that's the revival capital of Scotland. People would think you were nuts, wouldn't they? Here's why they think you're nuts. Because they're programmed and conditioned to never see greatness in the place they live because the devil has beat them down to the place. This place is a dump. Amen? Oh, this is Gangad. Nothing good ever came out of Gangad. Nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. You see, the devil has a program to belittle, undermine, and destroy communities by speaking curses upon them. But you know, one of the greatest ministries and most powerful ministries of all was here in this church in Gangad. Back in the day with the Foundry Boys, 20,000 children plus adults. Today that would be a mega church known across the earth. But you know, back then, that was just, hey, hey. Why? Because the city of Glasgow had many, many works where many, many thousands, remember back in the day, Glasgow had more than a million people. Doesn't have that now. And many of them were believers. Remember Pastor Alex saying, counting up all the gospel halls in Govan alone, he said they outnumbered the pubs, and in Govan, that's some feet. But it's the same everywhere. Mission halls, gospel halls, churches. It's not like that now. Why? Desolations are many generations. So we know the problem, but God's solution is, oh, it's the Lord is our only hope. Well, we know that. But the Lord's saying, you and I are the repairer of the breach. You and I are the restorers. You and I rebuild the old walls. Okay, but we, we've got to be active in it. You'll never do it until you take responsibility. So praise the Lord. But let's just turn to uh, Proverbs. 20. What's the solution then? I want, in the time we've got left, we'll cover the solution. Proverbs uh, 21. Um, I want to show you something here. If I can find this. Yeah. Verse 22. Says... Um, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 22. A wise man scales the city of the mighty. And the, the word scales means to climb over the walls. 
and brings down the trusty stronghold. Wise men or wise women, wise people, know how to get over the walls of the city and bring down strongholds in that city. Let me read how the Passion Translation covers this one. It's wonderful. A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. You know that there are strongholds in this city. There are strongholds in your community. And we speak about that quite a bit. David speaks about things like standing stones or things that are in your community that reflect worship of things or honor or homage given to things that are not of God. And that includes ideologies. And that includes strongholds of thinking. For example, abortion. Abortion is one of the biggest strongholds in the nation. Now, when Rachel went down to March for Life, and we told her it would happen, and it did happen, there are people there. Now, I think it's a great thing that folks give up their Saturday, maybe travel down to London to go somewhere to protest on behalf of the unborn who are slaughtered, even as we're speaking. I, I can understand people want to do that, so enthused by that cause. But think about the other thing. This is what we told her would happen, and it did. There are people who made the same journeys to protest for the rights of women to slaughter babies. Okay? Why? Because they've, they are, there's a stronghold in their minds. And that stronghold is in many minds. That stronghold is in the street. There are people in the street that if you say, speak about abortion, they will argue vehemently about a woman's right. It's her body. Why? Strongholds. Strongholds of thinking. Strongholds in Scripture normally speak about mental things and spiritual things, not just necessarily physical strongholds. There are strongholds of ideology. Let me tell you one stronghold in this city and nation right now, or to, I'll mention two, Rangers and Celtic. They're strongholds. Amen? Nothing wrong with supporting your football team. Nothing wrong with all that. But if your religion, I'm a Rangers, I'm a Blue Nose, or I'm a Tim, that's a stronghold. Strongholds will always teach you one thing, hatred of those who are not in your stronghold, but in another stronghold. The prodies hate the Catholics. The pro-lifers, uh, the, the, the pro-choicers hate the pro-lifers. Amen? If you have a stronghold that's of the devil, then there will always be an element of hate, hatred in that. Well, I've been labor all my life. I hate the Tory so-and-so's. Amen? Labor to See, society is divided because there are strongholds. And the wise man will get over the walls in a city and destroy the strongholds. How do you go over walls? How do you go over those walls? How do you get into the city chambers today and start breaking down the strongholds? 
let me tell you, you don't go by taking placards and banging on the door unless you want to spend the night in the jail. But you can enter those walls today by prayer and decreeing God's word. A wise man knows that. A wise man knows that if, that, and also there's other aspects to this, that you can be transformational, not just confrontational. The old way was get your placards out and stand outside the building with your big slogans. Who got changed by that? I was, I took my stand for the Lord and I stood with my placard and I let people know that I am more righteous than they. What changed with that? But you can be transformational. You can pray for favor and get inside the building and be invited to speak. You can believe for that Joseph and Daniel anointing. But even if before that, or, or if you don't have that, you've always got the power of prayer. You can always pray, Lord, turn their hearts. Lord, let the fear of God come upon them. You see, they can prevent you getting in the building. They can't prevent your prayers getting in the building. And you know, that's the thing. They, fe they don't fear you. They fear the person who knows the Lord and knows how to pray. That's what they fear. And they'll do everything. They'll shut churches. They'll do everything they can. They'll bring in legislation. Do, what about that woman that was standing outside the clinic praying? They arrested her for a hate crime because she's silently praying outside the abortion clinic. That's a crime, isn't it? To them it is. But you know, maybe if she was wiser, she'd have stayed in the house and prayed because you don't have to be physically present. You understand? The wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the strongholds, the woke strongholds. Well, there's, 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 there are things that are now in our nations that have made ruins of our cities that can only be, only prayer is going to change it. And yes, God can, can bring in, you know, a John Knox into the, the throne room of Mary, Queen of Scots. It can still happen today. But that confrontational approach is best handled, wisely handled. Probably by prayer, if that makes sense. Not saying we don't make a stand. Not saying we keep silence. I don't mean that. Anyway, okay, now I want to show you this. And I'll, and I'll prove this to you from this particular scripture. I'm going to invite you today to join a movement. Join a movement and you don't even need to sign a piece of paper and there's no membership fee. But if you want to bless me, that's fine. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 11. Please turn there if you've got your Bible. I'm going to invite you to join the 11-11 movement. See, cities and nations are on God's heart. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. He said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set in a hill can't be hid. So what he's saying here is, He's saying the light of the world is a city. So the light of the world, and we read it in Isaiah 6, your eyes shine, your lights come, so on. 
The light of the world is the city of Zion. Glasgow is a dark city, but there's a light in the city, and it ain't uh, any, you know, overhead lights they put up. The light in Glasgow are the people of God, the Zion of God, the city within a city. And the brighter the light of the Zion city shines, then it will repel and chase and remove and scatter the darkness. So that's why he says, guys, you need to arise and shine because there's deep darkness in Glasgow and he needs your light to shine that Glasgow's no longer dark. And that's that light is a city called Zion. Proverbs 11, verse 11. By the blessing of the upright. Who's the upright? Believers, Christians, the righteousness of God in Christ. The city is exalted. But it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. You see, cities, the condition of cities is based on what comes out of people's mouths. It's, it's exalted by the blessing of the righteous, but it's destroyed by the mouth of the wicked. Now you say, well, you're a man, I'm the righteousness of God. He's not talking just about that. Because what he's saying is cities rise and fall depends on what comes out of people's mouths. Let me put it another way to you. If you're saying the same thing about your city, as wicked, unsaved people are, then the city is overthrown by your mouth too. Because wickedness isn't just about evil, it's about perversion and twistedness. So if you're saying, you know, I've got the power of speech, I've got the power of the tongue to bless Glasgow and to speak God's will and purpose upon Glasgow, let Glasgow flourish. See, we've been given a, myth, a, a motto that's a blessing. And if we're not saying that and saying nothing but that, for example, well, Glasgow, oh, what a dump. Sick man of Europe, oh, grand God, oh, what a place. Go there, that's a hovel, that place. We have a guy who's been here. Wait, actually, I ejected him. But Agnes bumped into him. And what is it he said? Grand God, that's a dump. Nothing's going to happen there. Ah, it's a dump. See, when you say that place is a dump, Castlemont's a dump, the Gorbos, that's a dump. That's what, and I could use other words. You're cursing that place. You're overthrowing God's kingdom in that place by your, your, your mouth. You might be the righteousness. You might be the righteousness of God, but you're speaking with the mouth of the wicked. I've, I'm guilty. I've, oh, who wants to go there? What a dump that is. Am I right? Oh, Bears Den's oh, Bears lovely. But, uh, you know, Easter is, oof. Yeah? Now, if you've ever come from a place like that, you know what it's like. And you, you say it yourself, but you hear other people. It may annoy you to hear other people saying it, but you know why they're saying it, because you, you know it's, it is a dump. But it's not going to change until your speech changes. Amen? I came in Edinburgh from a place called Nidri. My dad wouldn't let me tell people that I came from Nidri. 
You can tell people you come from Edinburgh, but don't mention Nidri. If they ask, just ignore them. My dad was ashamed of Nidri. He, I don't think he's ashamed now of it. You know, because, but you, you don't want, sometimes you don't want people to know your background because they'll think less of you. But you know, you ought to take the roughest, worst part of town and start conscientiously and with intentionality speak the blessing of the Lord because that's what exalts a city. So I know, do, do not say Glasgow is a sick man of Europe. I say Glasgow is a world capital of divine healing. People fly in from all over the world to Glasgow to have hands laid on them, to just be in the city environs because healing power, healing virtue will touch them. The glory, healing glory is in this city. And if we keep saying that, it will manifest. And as it manifests, people will start flying in and say, you know, we need those folks at the gathering. We need those folks to lay hands on us, to speak the word of healing upon us. They fly into Bethel in Reading. You know, I just read in the day, there's, there's bits of Reading that, you know, full of homeless people. But in general, this, the city has been uplifted by the presence of uh, Reading, and that is by the presence of the Bethel folks. We want people to say, I need to get myself to that. Is it Garngad? Garngad? I need to get myself over there. I need to fly in from Texas because I believe there's a place there. They don't have any failures. When you, you go in sick, you come out healed. Why? That's the healing capital of the world. Not the sick man in Europe. By the blessing of the upright. You see, there's a connection between the Zion of God in a city and that city, we're the ones that make the connection work. We're the ones that put the light switch on to say, you know, you go to Glasgow, you're going to see Zion. Oh my goodness, you'll see Zion shining in all her glory. Because Glasgow is a place where the Zion people of God dwell. And oh boy, do they shine brightly. Uh, turn to Psalm 87, please. We're going to bring this to a close. Psalm 87. It's all about, I mean, nations are made up of cities, obviously. And I don't mean, again, big cities. I mean towns, villages, communities, cities. Okay? If you can uh, get your community, your city, your town, your village, your hamlet, whatever it is, if you can pray down the glory of God in that place, and then we all start connecting places, you understand the nation will be transformed as cities are transformed. That's what, that's what Sister Peril prayed. Psalm 87, his foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. You see, God's blessing is here. God's blessing is in a church where his name is honored. He's praised, and the, the word of God goes forth. He loves that more than anywhere else. Oh, God loves everybody the same. Not according to my Bible. He loved Jacob, hated Esau. Amen. He's not a respecter of persons, but he does have favorites. And I'm one of them. I'm in the favor tree. I'm a favorite. I'm not a Hittite. I'm not an Amalekite. I'm not an Edomite. I'm a favorite. Amen. 
The Lord loves, here's where, oh, God's not partial. Well, he loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. And by the way, Jacob is his people. There's something about Zion we need to understand. Zion is the place where God's people dwell with God and they shine brightly and the glory of the Lord is in that place. And I want this to be a Zion church. In fact, we're renaming the church Zion City Church for that very reason. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Salah. Salah means stop right here and ponder and meditate this because God just said something profound. Glorious things are spoken of Zion. Not, oh, this place is a dump. Oh, this place is old-fashioned. This place is irrelevant. This place is... They don't, have, they don't have this, they don't have that. They don't have uh, all the mod cons. Well, we don't bother about that. What we say is, this is a house of glory. Amen? You say, well, you know, I'm, um, so-and-so, he, he's driving a Bentley. Well, I might be driving an old 10-year-old Volvo. But, but glorious things are spoken of me. All he has is a Bentley. But the glory of God is in my house. We can say it about our houses. We can say it about our church houses. We can say it about the kingdom. We can say it about Zion, the Zion of God. Glorious things are spoken across the earth of the Zion people of God in Glasgow, in Scotland. Oh, people come here because glorious things are here. Glory is in this place. This is a house of favor. This is a house of glory. This is a house of blessing. You know, house means a dwelling place. And let me tell you, your body is a dwelling place, a house. Your church is a house. The place you live in, they're all houses. And so why not say of all of them, this is a house of glory. Glorious things are said. You know, glorious things are spoken of my body. By my wife, of course. <laughs> glorious things. Glorious things are spoken. Why not say that about your church? Why not say that about the church, if you like, in Glasgow? Ah, the church is in decline. Ah, it was far better in 1982. Well, it's going to be far better in 2024 than it ever was in 1982. Why? Because glorious things are spoken. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon, blah, blah, blah. Don't mean that. I'm just trying to get through it. And of Zion, it was said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself shall establish her. Why not say of Zion, more and more people are coming to know Jesus in Glasgow. More and more people are coming into the Zion city of God in Glasgow. More and more people are getting saved. More and more people are getting healed. More and more people are coming to meetings. There's no decline in Glasgow. Oh no, this one, that one. There's loads of folks. Loads of multitudes of people are coming to the Lord and to church in Glasgow. That's what we should be saying. And it's blessing the city. The city is exalted because of it. The Lord will record when he registers the peoples. This one was born there. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, all my fountains, all my springs are in you. Notice it's, it's all about saying. It's all about saying. 
You've got to say it. You've got to say it. You've got to bless. You've got to use your mouth. Sorry, I'm running out of time here. Probably went over time-wise what I intended. But it's time, folks, that we understood what we say makes a difference for our church, for our city, for our nation, for the kingdom, for everything, by the blessing of the upright. Cities and nations are raised to be kingdom Zion cities and nations. The Lord bless you.